1: That there's something better out there than Christianity don't think there's something better out there than the cross and whatever you do do not add anything to the cross do not say well the cross is great but you have to have this if somebody ever tries to sell you that bill of goods you need to bolt out of there like you have skid marks and go because that's baloney he is the true Shepherd
0: have you ever experienced that grass is always greener on the other side feeling most people have at some time or another. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that there is nothing better than the Word of God and the cross. There isn't a better religion. There is only one God, and His name is Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges, chapter 17, as he continues his message, A Nation Crumbles from Within.
1: You are sure. see the decline and the confusion with this family. In just these few verses, they managed to break almost every single commandment of God. Go back and look at the Ten Commandments and you can see that they've broken just about every single one. First of all, Micah didn't honor his mother or father. He stole from them. Well, there's two right there. And then he lies about it. There's another one. He coveted the silver before he took it. There's another one. He worshiped in a place other than the tabernacle. There's another one. And he ordained his own son as a priest. He's breaking all these commandments of God. He's on a tear. And the scary part is, this is the scary part. All the time they did it, they thought they were serving the Lord. And although the family may have been very, very sincere, they were sincerely wrong. They were sincerely wrong. They were wrong in their knowledge about who God was. They were wrong in their knowledge. And this can happen to us, folks. It can happen. We have got to be ever so careful. Micah and his family did not submit to the authority of God's word. And their home became a place of confusion and religious, moral confusion and just debauchery. Let me ask you a quick question. As you read through the scriptures, who has been deemed the author of a f- confusion? Satan, yeah. See how crafty he can be? See how crafty he can be as he weaves his web and as he does these things? It makes it look so good. Well, I'm serving God. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing all these things for the Lord. Let me throw a name out to you. You probably might have heard of this guy. But he thought he was doing everything for the Lord. He thought that he was on the Lord's side. And what he used to do is he used to go into the places where these Christians would meet and he would drag them out and he would take them and they would put them on trial and sometimes they killed him. Yeah. Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. Oh, how wrong was he? He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. He thought he was doing it for God. Look at the home of Micah and compare it with the home of America today. Now, not all homes. I'm just using home as a general tale. Okay, there are not all homes like that. But money is king. Money becomes king and it becomes their God. Either making it, spending it, whatever. That's their God. Money is their God. It's their king. It leads the family and the family worships it. Let's get as much as we can. Let's amass as much money as we possibly can. Children steal from their parents and then they lie about it. There's no honor in the family, not only to the mother and father, but there's no honor against for each other as well. The only thing that provides information, the only thing that provides guidance, is that box that sits in front of them that they turn on every night. It's called a TV. That's the only thing that they get. They're guidance from. From that, they know how to treat their parents, they know that all men are buffoons and are crazy, and that women, women rule the world, and that if you don't have certain products, you're nothing. That's what you learn from TV. Oh, and by the way, sex, sex, sex and more sex. And language. My gosh. My wife and I were looking for a movie the other day and we turned on a certain movie and it just started. Like, here it comes. Here comes the opening, opening credits. We're sitting there looking at them and then they come on and they started to speak. Well, then the first three minutes they said the F word so many times I didn't know what the heck they were saying. It's like, what? Click. Turned it right off. Oh, you mackerel. All we wanted to do was sit and watch a movie. And we're bombarded by this stuff. But this is what they know. The true living God is pushed aside. You're made fun of if you worship the true living God. Family that goes to church? Oh, we'll find something on you. We'll find some nasty stuff on you, and we're going to report it. Today's modern culture regards being godless, with everybody doing right and their own eye as their ideal state of society. Because if there's no God, there's no accountability. There's no God I have nothing to answer to and I can do whatever is right in my own eyes. But we know better. The Bible and common sense should tell us that this kind of moral and spiritual social anarchy brings nothing but destruction. History proves it time and time and time and time again. Proverbs 14.12 says, there's, the same, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. When a man follows his own instincts, his own inclinations, it leads to ruins. I learned this such a hard way in my life before Christ. I learned this in such a difficult time. We need to follow God's way and not our own. This nation that we now live in would once again flourish if every family would make Christ the head. Social issues would not exist if every family made Christ the head of the family. If everybody submitted to Jesus Christ, crime would be non-existent. Peace would reign in the neighborhoods. Right would be right. See, godly homes are the foundation of not only a moral society, but a just society as well. This great confusion in the home of Micah, this great confusion starts this downward spiral of the whole nation. Because we're assuming now that this home is probably representative of a lot of the homes in Israel at this time. So we see this great confusion in the home. And next we see this great confusion in ministry. Exactly what is ministry? And there's a confusion that exists. Let's read the rest of the chapter. Beginning in verse 7. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and was staying there the man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. Micah said to him, Dwell with me, be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. So the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man became like one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and they lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah say, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite as priest. As I was reading this, I'm I'm thinking of a good Italian family, because every good Italian family has to have a priest or a nun. And if you have a priest or a nun, you're going to do well. The family will be blessed because you have a priest or a nun. This is the same thing that Micah just said. I got a priest in the house. We're going to be cool now. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be good. Through scripture, we know that the Lord did not only establish the home and give instructions on how parents were going to raise their children. He also instituted spiritual leadership in the worshiping community. Now, in the old covenant, the tabernacle was the place where you went to worship. It eventually became the temple. It was the center of the community. And the priesthood, which were based on the precepts given to Aaron as they were supervised. Now today, under the new covenant, Christ is the head of the church. It's his church. We are his people. We are the church. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and he calls and equips those he chooses to serve him and his people. And in God's words, he tells us that Old Testament priests, what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to teach his word. They were supposed to help people learn his word. In fact, if you read the Old Testament scriptures, it says that the Israelites were supposed to take God's word to the Gentiles. They were supposed to teach God's children, the Gentiles, about his word. But they didn't. And in the church today, the Holy Spirit guides the church and explains the order and the ministry to be followed. Now, this young Levite was been living in Bethlehem. It's interesting that he was living in Bethlehem. Why? Well, remember when Joshua was divvying out the cities? There were cities that the Levites were supposed to live in. Bethlehem was not one of them. Bethlehem was not one of those cities. Many believed that he was driven there because the people weren't supporting the ministry with their tithes and offerings, not giving is one example of spiritual apathy. So instead of seeking the mind of the Lord, Lord, where do you want me to go? He just went off and tried to find a place to work. Not all Levites are called to be priests, are they? You sure? Who were called to be priests? Aaron's descendants. Only Aaron's descendants were called to be the priests. The Levites were keepers of the tabernacles. They were the assistants. They helped. It's pretty interesting because I looked up what they did. It's pretty cool. The Levites, who were not of Aaron... Worked in the tabernacle, keeping it clean, washing all the instruments and stuff like that, assisting the priest in the basic sacrifices and stuff like that. And they were worship leaders. They were worship leaders. They led in the spiritual worship of the community, of the church. That's what they did. That's what their task was. I thought that was very interesting. So he wasn't even doing that. Here he comes. So the the nation was really at a low point. But this Levite seemed only interested in one thing. What was the Levite interesting? He wasn't interested in God. What was he interested in? Himself. I need a job. I need to find me a job. I need to get a job. I need to find somebody who's going to you know, make my life comfortable. The Levite left. He became an idolater. Instead of being available to God, The Levite became agreeable to Micah. He became comfortable in the setup that he had in Micah's house. Micah wanted this Levite to stay with him and work as a priest. He did this because he wanted to legitimize his personal shrine. He wanted God's blessing upon his idols and his images and his shrine. God will not bless that kind of stuff. He thought, if I have a priest here, I will be officially recognized. I'll be somebody. Yeah. I got a priest here. But you know what? I think deep down inside, he knew his idolatry was false. He knew it was meaningless. But if I could get a priest, if I could get a priest here, yeah, it would be legitimate. It would be okay. See how we think? See how we go against the Lord when we can do everything in our own way? This is typical of a spiritual leadership during this time period. It's a little wonder that the nation was so spiritually corrupt. They were spiritually dry. They were were, were in some confusion. Remember, Satan's the author of confusion. Let's look at the Levite's ministry. First of all, first and foremost, this Levite was not a true shepherd of God. He was a hireling. That meant he worked for somebody. He didn't work for God. He worked for Micah and was held accountable to Micah and his idols. He was not a spokesperson for the Lord. He told people what they wanted to hear. When he offered a place that included more money and more prestige, he took it. Yeah, this is good. I was looking for a job. And although we read that he did give thanks for it, we'll read that in chapter 18, he also will find out that he assisted others in stealing from their employers. The church of today needs true and faithful people. We need faithful shepherds who will work for the Lord and not for personal gain. We need men and women who will serve the flock, who will feed them and protect them. I believe that true shepherds receive their calling and authority from God, not man. I believe God gives your authority. I believe that you are called by God and then you are prepared by God. And then God sends you out. True shepherds point the way to Jesus Christ. They point the way to the Lord. They don't point the way to themselves. They do not point the way to themselves. True shepherds give the Lord credit for everything that happens because He's doing everything that happens. A true shepherd leans on Acts two forty seven and the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. He leans on that. He gives the Lord credit for spiritual growth, for spiritual health of the church, and for physical growth and physical things. He gives the Lord credit. He doesn't take credit himself. I can't even call this my church. I can't call you my people. You're God's sheep. You belong to him. And for some crazy reason, he has me up here. What was he laughing about? No. I answer to him. You answer to him. I have to answer to him for you. You have to remember one thing. Shepherds are human. There was only one Jesus Christ. There's only one Lord. Shepherds are not he. Shepherds have feelings. Shepherds have feelings. And shepherds make mistakes. If you don't think I make mistakes, hang around me for about five minutes. And you'll find out just about how many mistakes I make. I make mistakes. Don't want to, but I do. I disappoint. I disappoint. I don't want to, but I do. I disappoint. Breaks my heart when I disappoint one of you, but I will disappoint you. I don't want to, but we're human and we disappoint. And we have feelings and we hurt. Our Lord hurt. He cried over Israel because they missed the day of this visitation. He cried over, over Jerusalem. He hurt. Because, why did he hurt? Because he took on humanity. He took it on. He added humanity to his deity. And then he suppressed his deity. It was there, but he suppressed it. And he became meek. And meek isn't weak. Meek means power under constraint. And he suppressed it and he walked as a man. And when they spat upon him, I know it, he was disappointed and it hurt him. When they reviled at him and called him illegitimate and called him foul names because he didn't have a father, supposedly. I know it hurt him because he had humanity on him. So when I hurt and I'm upset and I'm discouraged, I think of how much more he was and how much more he carried and how I can go to him because he felt everything that I feel and everything that we feel and you feel. He felt it. He was sinless. He was sinless. It wasn't until he hung on a cross that he became sin for us. He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? We have a bug crawl across our arm when we get the skeeves. Can you imagine what it must have felt like when all that sin came upon him? Oh, the misery he must have felt hanging there. Willingly hanging there. Those nails didn't hold him. Willingly hanging there. Thinking about each one of you as he hung there. Thinking about me. I know that one of these days Dave Shank's going to accept me. I'm going to hang here because I know one of these days he will and I'm going to bleed, and I'm going to die because I love him so much. Put your name in there. He did that for you, each one of you. Crazy thing is he did that for all those people out there who don't know him like you do. That's what a true shepherd does. A true shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, gives his life for the sheep, That's what a shepherd does. That's what he did for us. He wasn't a hireling. He was sent by God. He was ordained by God. He is God. This Levite was nothing more than a hiring. If Micah hired him, Micah could have fired him. He wasn't seeking God. He was seeking prestige. He was seeking honor for himself. He was looking to legitimize his own life. Maybe maybe he was jealous because he wasn't of the uh, lineage of Aaron. And he couldn't be a true priest. You know, There's a lot of people who are in ministry who ascribe or, or, or want to be the head honcho. And they can't. And they get angry. They get jealous. And things happen. Because they can't reach that. Maybe this is one of those guys. Maybe he helped the priest do the sacrifices all the time. And he kept on saying, well, I can do that. I can do that better than he can. I should be the priest. Why do I have to be Aaron's kids? I can do that. I'm just going to go off now and find some place where I can do it. He left. He left the protection of God. He walked away. Look what he walked into. Became an idol worshiper. Became a commandment breaker. Don't walk away don't think that there's something better out there than Christianity. Don't think there's something better out there than the cross. And whatever you do, do not add anything to the cross. Do not say, well, the cross is great, but you have to have this. If somebody ever tries to sell you that bill of goods, you need to bolt out of there like you have skid marks and go. Because that's baloney. He is the true shepherd. He is the good shepherd. We need to remember that. It's only by him that we've come here. It's only by him and his grace and mercy. Sad part of the story is in chapter 17 is make a thought. He thought that he had the favor of God because he had a genuine priest living in his house. He was practicing a false religion. He was worshiping false gods. And all along... He was throwing the Lord God Jehovah in for good measures. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's like adding to the cross. Oh, the cross is great, but you got to worship this shrine. Oh, the cross is wonderful, but you got to have this. You got to have this anointing, that anointing. This will add to the cross. No, nothing can add to nor nothing can take away from the cross. It stands alone. As we move through, I'm going to find out that All the false gods and all the priests are going to be taken from him and he's going to be left with nothing. Not even a relationship with God because it's going to be taken away. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. However, we all too often turn our backs on him. We all too often walk away from him And we start doing what is right in our own eyes. And you becoming at a very perilous place. A dangerous place. And I wouldn't want to see any one of you get to that point. It's a dangerous place out there. But always know that no matter how far you go, you're never far enough away to turn back and come. You're never far enough away where you can turn back and come. He's always there. And when you turn around, when that day comes and you turn around, you won't even take a step because he's standing right there with his arms wide open.
0: As our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of Judges and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to pray for you as you journey through this life with Jesus. So please let us know how we can do that. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of a body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Beginning April 12th, we are moving to two services on Sundays, one at 8.30 a.m. and another at 10.30 a.m. Come join us for worship and Bible study, and we do have childcare available. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That's assurehoperadio.com. And that brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to this verse-by-verse study in Judges, and join us again right here on Assure Hope.